0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Byline Breakdown. I'm Mike Moliterno. Today we take you to East Palestine, a town of fewer than 5,000 residents still grappling with the aftermath of a toxic chemical train derailment nearly eight months ago. From once bustling shops facing closures to the reopening of critical roads, it's a story of optimism meeting anxiety head on. Local businesses are not just fighting to keep their dreams alive, but are also striving to breathe new life into a community overshadowed by an environmental and economic crisis. As the holiday season approaches, they're getting creative to bring customers back while the town itself looks for ways to recover and thrive. Joining me today is Deanne Johnson, a senior reporter with The Business Journal and a resident of East Palestine. Johnson has been covering the story since day one when she was forced to evacuate her home due to its proximity to the crash site. Deanne, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. First off, could you tell us about your personal connection? Obviously, you live in East Palestine. Could you tell us what it's been like covering this story and why it's important to you?
1: Yeah, I felt when this happened that I would be letting the community down if I didn't shed some light on it. I, at the time when it happened, I don't think I recognized that the entire national media would descend upon them. But after a while, of course, most of them have gone away. They may occasionally revisit. But I go back home every night um, and live within 0.8 miles of where the derailment happened. So I've seen a lot of things change.
0: So could you talk a little bit about what has changed over the past eight months in East Palestine?
1: The best way I could describe it is there seems to be a lot of businesses that are struggling to get people there. There's some people butting heads over things that they used to worry about, you know, how will we afford this or how could we do that and now they butt heads over whether how how much money is coming in and what they should be doing with it and there's a lot of fear there's a lot of people that are afraid to live in their homes or people that used to come to town to shop that are afraid to come into town i would say back about a week or two into the whole derailment i said you know you had to go out of your way to go to east palestine it's not really on the way to anywhere And my fear was people were now going to go out of their way not to come to East Palestine. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of ways that has come true.
0: How are the businesses coping, particularly the ones downtown, the ones who have been most affected by this?
1: Yeah, so I've been visiting with some of the businesses lately. And a lot of them continue to tell me that there are days when they don't see a customer or they're, uh, sales are down 50 percent they tell me that the customers and and it's a small town so you know you get to know people and they're regular customers that used to come from pennsylvania or outside of town um some up from youngstown or mahoning county they're they're not seeing them they haven't seen them in mm-hmm. eight months it's like they disappeared um There has been the road situation, but there are still routes in and out of town. You just kind of have to go around a little uh, out of your way more than before.
0: Could you just explain the road situation for somebody who might not be aware?
1: Sure. So the place where the derailment occurred was near the intersection of North Pleasant and East Taggart Street, which is on the east side of town. Um, east Taggart Street turns into Taggart Road which goes right into Pennsylvania. And it was the route that most people who live in East Palestine, especially if they're going to Chippewa Township, where there's Walmart and Giant Eagle and a lot of shopping, that's the way they go to get into Pennsylvania. And likewise, a lot of people come in from Pennsylvania on Taggart Street um, to buy gas, for instance, with the high taxes on gas in Pennsylvania, they find a cheaper amount, you know, a cheaper price for gas. So they'll come in, and there's always lines at the gas station right there, leak oil right there on the uh, border. So people use Taggart Road a lot. Well, since the derailment occurred, they have been cleaning up down by the railroad tracks right there along East Taggart Street, and they just closed it off. Road closed at the state line. Coming in from Pennsylvania, road closed. Going out of East Palestine, and there are signs from the time you get downtown all the way out East Taggart. Every few blocks that say "road closed ahead," "road closed ahead," "road." And the further you go out, you talk to business owners out there, out toward where the road is closed. Customers are scared. They they don't go past those road closed ahead signs to get to their businesses.
0: We're going to talk a little bit about some of the cleanup efforts and when. Hopefully, Taggart Street will be reopened um, right after this break.
2: Attention, all business enthusiasts in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. The Business Journal has been your trusted partner since 1984, giving insights, updates, and fostering growth in your region. From Mahoning to Mercer, from Columbiana to Lawrence, we've got you covered. For just $10 a month or $99 a year, unlock our digital troves or get both print and digital for only $99 a year. Make the smart business choice. Subscribe now.
0: As we just discussed, East Taggart Street is very important to the, the community of East Palestine. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the cleanup efforts that are going on and when we can anticipate that the street will be reopened.
1: So they have started reopening it at night during hours that are after businesses are open. You know, businesses are already closed. Now they'll let you travel back and forth. And they have like a a schedule set up where they're going to have different times for reopening. Like they plan to reopen, but then again, they're going to close it down for 15 minutes so they can move their truck traffic in and out. So I don't know that People are going to want to use it if, especially, let's say you were using it to get to work, you could be late for work if you get suddenly a shutdown for 15 minutes or more on your way in and out. I don't know how convenient it's going to get, but they are planning to have it totally reopened sometime in the first quarter of uh, 2024, they say. They continue every week to clean up down by there. First, they lifted up the the tracks that Norfolk put down really quick uh, right after the derailment. In fact, by the time we all came back from being evacuated, there was already a train coming through town. They had already laid down the tracks. So the EPA did make them tear those up one at a time and dig under it and pull up chemicals and, and uh, the water and the dirt. And they continue to haul that stuff out of there. That is still ongoing, although they've replaced both tracks. They've done the ditches along the tracks and the area between the tracks. And now they're working on cleaning up some of the areas where they scrapped the old cars that were um, burned out Next, you know, after the derailment. They had drugged them all off to the side there and left them there. So now they're digging in th- those areas.
0: So hopefully by the first quarter of 2024. Hopefully. Okay.
1: That road will be open all the time, 24 hours a day, and people can come and go again.
0: East Palestine has been pretty proactive in reaching out to individuals, federal agencies, um, other groups to assist it in the recovery process. Could you talk a little bit about these partnerships and how they are shaping what's going on there?
1: So the federal EPA has been in town. They have a welcome center where you can go and ask questions. Um, some people question the answers that they're getting and uh, you know whether they know everything. But you can go there. Um, there has been a Norfolk Southern also recovery center where you can go in and... They were, especially early on, giving people reimbursements for expenses. If you had to be evacuated, you had hotel bills and and cleaning expenses. There are programs to get your house cleaned. There is the Ohio EPA in town, and they're testing water quality while the federal is overseeing the cleanup efforts of Norfolk Southern and doing the air quality. The Port Authority for Columbiana County... They sent in Hayden Panzott to help uh, talk to businesses and get a feel for what they needed. And then the Port Authority set about to find some resources to get them some assistance. And there are businesses that when I was in town here recently, I talked to a couple of business owners who said that it was difficult for them to use that because you had to show that you were an established business and how much money you were bringing in. And they were new businesses right around the time of the derailment or right after the derailment. Cat's Crystals was in Mama's Attic like an umbrella. She was under the umbrella of Mama's Attic. It's a, a place where different vendors have booths and, you know, you go in and you buy stuff from that booth and then that owner gets, gets the profits from that. She had expanded rapidly there, but because she was under that umbrella, when she moved her business across the street... She didn't qualify for the assistance because she didn't, wasn't able to show the kind of profits or, or her profits ahead of time or for the paperwork that they needed. One of the funding sources that Hayden Panzot and the Columbiana County Port Authority were able to find was through Omega, which gave some of the business owners a chance to get some, some funds back. Uh, to help keep them going. Um, Some of the business owners took it upon themselves also to create some programs. There was one program called Bulldog Bucks, where they took some donations that people gave, and they sent out to every house in the 44413, which is the East Palestine zip code, these coupons, and they were good for $10.00 at any of the businesses, or almost any of the businesses in downtown East Palestine. Um, there A couple provisions, like they couldn't allow it to be used for alcohol or things of that nature, but most businesses participated, and it was able to bring some business back into town. But I think for a lot of the businesses, they feel like the people in town still come downtown and shop, but the people who used to come from out of town aren't coming.
0: Obviously, one of the primary concerns is, is the impact to the health of the residents. We're going to talk a little bit about that when we return from a break.
2: Hey there, podcast listeners. Do you want to stay ahead in the business game? Dive deep into the heart of northeastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania with the Business Journal. For over three decades, we've been the beacon for business and community leaders like you. Expand your horizons and your business with our unbeatable subscription offers. Stay informed, stay ahead, subscribe today.
0: So a crucial aspect of the post-derailment East Palestine is the health concerns. And um, I know you've talked to several residents who are experiencing some, some adverse health effects as a result of this. Could you talk a little bit about how they are being addressed, and what some of the residents are seeing.
1: So there are definitely residents that, especially near the tracks or near the creeks, Leslie Run, Sulphur Run, the creeks that got uh, contaminated, they continue to say they're experiencing rashes, nosebleeds, uh chemical burn type feelings and sometimes when you're in town you can smell the sweet smell now I haven't smelled it in a short while but I heard somebody say it was really strong the other day I just didn't happen to be near it at that time but they continue to have complaints and concerns and The Columbiana County Health Department and the Ohio Department of Health came into town right as all of this was going on, and they set up a temporary health clinic at the United Church of Christ, and that gave people a place where they could go and maybe get checked out, and they had resources where they could call Ohio State and talk to toxicologists and try to get an idea of what might be causing this there are a lot of people that even though the air tests and the water tests come back and say that it's safe, they are still experiencing something. So they question how can it be safe? Um, And that leads to a lot of fear, I think in residents, especially those that live near where they're doing all the cleanup and near the creeks where all this is going on. So after they set up the Columbiana County health department site, they eventually decided they needed a permanent location, and East Liverpool Hospital, City Hospital decided that they were going to get involved, and they came in and they set up the East Palestine Clinic of East Liverpool City Hospital in a former doctor's office that was not being used anymore, right in town, so that people could continue to see the same people and get care from people who know about what's going on. but. There's people that don't feel that maybe anyone really knows what these chemicals will do to someone long term.
0: Well, lastly, let's just wrap up by talking about what you think the future for East Palestine will be or how do you see the community coming out of this in the, over the next six months to a year?
1: There's a lot of good things going on. Um, there's some criticism that a lot of it is coming from money from Norfolk Southern. Norfolk has pledged like $95 million at this point for various projects around the community, including putting in a brand new park, $25 million for that. They are planning a first responders training center where people will be able to come and train, not just for train derailments, but it's right along the tracks and definitely train derailments. But also they're talking about bringing in semi-trucks and staging accident scenes so that first responders can train how to respond to these things, especially when it comes to chemicals. The night of the derailment, when all the train cars were jumbled up and in a pile and all the placards on the trains melted because they were made out of plastic or lightweight metal and you couldn't tell what was in any of them, there were a lot of firefighters that came flying into the scene and they didn't know what kinds of chemicals they were dealing with or maybe how best to deal with those chemicals. They didn't find out what was on that train until the Fire Chief says 2 a.m. when the train came in at like 9 p.m. So it was hours before they really knew what was going on with the chemicals on the train. So this training center is supposed to be a good thing. Bring in firefighters from around the region and let them come to East Palestine and train and learn about how to do that. Uh, The Norfolk Southern has also talked about a program that would... Take if you sell your house to someone, whatever the appraised value was before the derailment occurred, and let's say you sell your house but it goes for less than that, they've talked about a program that would make up that difference for home buyers. Not sure yet, you know, how many people are wanting to buy houses to move to East Palestine. I do know businesses that are getting out of East Palestine, but hopefully, you know, with a brand new park, a brand new swimming pool, a place for first responders to go, and hopefully as the cleanup finishes and dies down and they're not out there digging stuff up all the time... Hopefully life will get back to normal. And I think there's a whole contingent of people in town that are really hopeful that that's going to be how it is. I've lived in East Palestine for 20 years, and it's a community where a lot of people have family and generations. And they can say, you know, my grandfather played for the Bulldog football team way back when. And they have stories and and family. And there's a lot of people that are now banging heads as to whether we should all be leaving or whether the future is going to be a better place. So it's to be determined.
0: Thank you very much for joining us today, Deanne, and uh, sharing your insights with us. To our listeners, be sure to check out Deanne Johnson's article. A link will be in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Byline Breakdown. I'm Mike Moliterno.
2: You wouldn't drive a car without a map, so why navigate the business world of northeastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania without the Business Journal? Trusted since 1984, we're the compass pointing you to growth and prosperity. Digital, print, why not both? We've got subscription options tailored for every business-savvy individual. Light up your path to success. Subscribe to the Business Journal today.